Hello, fellow grievers. You have found the leftover pieces, Suicide Lost Conversations. And I am Melissa, your podcast host. Join me for real conversations and candid talk on hard topics surrounding the loss of a loved one to suicide. I talk with other lost survivors, mental health experts, advocates, and sometimes I offer my own thoughts. Every week we explore the questions that haunt us, seek the courage to uncover the healing tools within us, and hopefully offer the comfort of a community that we all need so very much. It's true our hearts and lives have been shattered, but come along with me, and together let's choose to find meaning and even happiness amid the leftover pieces before us. Welcome. Hello, and welcome, grievers. You have reached the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations, and this is episode 32. It's technically an episode in between season one and season two. Season two launches June 6th, 2021. I truly appreciate all of the suggestions that I received for content for this upcoming season. And I've taken it all into consideration and planned many of the conversations that I'm going to be having around your suggestions, as well as suggestions that I have gotten throughout season one. So today, we're going to head down the rabbit hole again, and I'm going to share some of my thoughts on what we're like in early grief after suicide loss. You know, in the beginning days, weeks, and months when we're just surviving And we often find ourselves asking, where did I go and who am I now? I know I often felt like I didn't even recognize the person staring back at me in the mirror. And if I'm being completely honest, there are still days that I feel that way. But it's especially prevalent in the beginning. And I know that when we're in that place and we're looking around and everything is foggy and often dark and you feel hopeless and helpless, Somebody needs to offer you a lifeline. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to address what is going on and what you can do to begin to find hope again, to seek help and know that there's another side to this. So to start the discussion, we have to get to the root of what's going on, which seems somewhat redundant since we know what happened is that we lost someone we love very dearly by suicide. Our world has shattered, our heart has been split wide open, and we don't recognize ourselves or the life that we have around us. We have experienced an extreme trauma. This is your brain on trauma. The very first definition given in the Oxford Dictionary for trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Quote, a personal trauma like the death of a child, unquote. So this isn't just a average experience that we can kind of think through a little bit and shake off. Trauma recovery is very hard because our brain becomes in control of us as it responds physically to the trauma. So I won't get into all of the different labels of the parts of our brain for the sake of this conversation, But knowing that our brain is in control of everything that we do and feel and how we process things, now think about a brain that has been severely injured or traumatized, and it's trying to now function the same, but it can't. 
So again, I won't go into all the different labels of the parts of our brain, but here's the basics of it. Our fear center is on a heightened alert. Our memory is completely skewed and time often warps for us. Our thinking center is less active and thus we can't organize or concentrate. Our self-regulation center in the brain also is usually very underactive after trauma and therefore our decisions and our emotions that we normally might have some control over, we don't now. And it's a physiological response to an injury of sorts to the brain. So there are two types of trauma. Trauma can obviously occur when there is a physical blow to an organ like our brain. And I think that's where the problem comes in when we're looking at emotional trauma recovery is not only ourselves, but the people around us don't see an injury. And therefore, it's assumed that we can just snap out of it or think our way out of it. However, an emotional trauma, especially the loss of someone we love so dearly by such a confusing loss as suicide, traumatizes our brain in much the same way as a physical injury does. And so just knowing that, just letting it soak in, will help you, I think, get to the next place, which is what now? What do I do now? How do I survive this? Am I going to come out of it okay? I believe the answer is yes. I believe it's possible for all of us to come out of this okay. That doesn't, however, mean that we're going to be exactly the same. Because after any injury, after any trauma, there's going to be some inevitable differences afterwards. So just accept that piece and it's a lot easier. At least it was for me. And remember that that's a lot of what my goal is here on the leftover pieces is to offer what I need or what I would have needed to hear from another suicide loss survivor. So let's look at the two basic approaches that you can take and then the possibility of a third one which combines the two. You can look at changing your body to change your brain. You can look at your mind being the place, so a top-down approach of, of using your mind to actually cause changes within your brain. Or you can look at a combo of those two, kind of an interhemispherical change, if you will, a cross-modality change. So let's go back to the first one, where p- many people take an approach that in changing things within their body, they can heal and change the brain and change the way that those centers are functioning again. So some of the modalities that you would look at there, I know I've discussed in other episodes, but they include things like breath work, meditation, yoga, exercise, even cognitive muscle relaxation techniques that you can find. So that's one way you can start to to, to work on physically through relaxing your body, realigning your chakras, realigning your breath, changing how your brain is functioning, and therefore finding a better function, a clearer function of those centers over time. 
Because remember, none of this is going to happen overnight. A severe trauma takes a while to recover from. We just have to engage and start the process. So then there's the thought process of, of coming from the, the top down and starting with your mind itself. And that's where you would be working on cognitive therapies, talk therapies, behavioral modification therapies, even things like neurolinguistic programming, which worked really well for me at a certain point. I would not have wanted to engage in that right away, as I've told you before. But so those are ways, you know, so that's where you seek a therapist or you go to a counselor or you find a coach and you start working on things within your brain itself to rework your thinking. Then many people use a, a combo approach of those things, a cross modality where they engage all of those things or some of those things from each of those areas. And then they might also incorporate and engage their, their full sensory abilities with things like art therapy, dance therapy, sound or music therapy. And some of this includes even really successful techniques for this type of trauma, like EFT or EDMR, which is things like tapping and rapid eye movement therapy. And I know many suicide loss trauma survivors have found help in those modalities. And as I've gotten further along in my journey, I have engaged more of these things on a deeper level or a more intentional level. But I look back to the early days when I was first starting to accept the fact that this trauma was going to require actual real work to get through, that I was going to have to make a choice to start to heal, that I was going to have to be productive with how I felt in order to not just remain in the fog and not sit in a place of complete despair and hopelessness. Again, it goes back to something I know I've preached a lot, but it's about choices. And I knew for me that the choice to not figure out how to deal with this or heal from this wasn't an option. That one, I didn't want that for my son. I didn't want that for my family. And I definitely had to get to the place that I didn't want it for me either. And that doesn't mean I don't still honor the pain when it's there. And I won't lie. I'm a mother. The pain is still there a lot. It is not there all the time to the degree it was in the beginning when I felt like I just couldn't get away from it. I'm able to bring in a lot more joy now. I'm able to have breaks from the intense pain. I'm able to celebrate the years and the life that I had with Alex more and be more intentional and productive with the sadness. Because the reality is it's always going to be there. So I need to learn how to live successfully alongside of it. And that's what I want for you too. So if you're very early on, you might be asking, where do I start? I'm going to say, you do have to give yourself a lot of space, a lot of time. Pick something small to start with. For me, some of the easiest things to start with were aromatherapy because I could add a diffuser to env my environment or I could add the right um, oils to a bracelet that I was wearing or a, a necklace piece that I was wearing and let the aromatherapy help affect 
my brain, my moods, my way of processing things. I also did the same thing with sound. So sound and smell for me, those therapies early on were very helpful. And then I learned to meditate. And by saying learn to meditate, it almost insinuates that I'm like now a professional meditator. And I kind of think meditation isn't like lifelong practiced skill. I don't think people that have even been meditating for years feel like they're completely proficient at it. It's something that you practice and you continue to do. But I know learning to sit down and quiet my mind from everything was so powerful for me. And just to be clear, most of what I'm talking about today is what starts to occur after you're out of what I call the survival place, the place that is those first few days and weeks and possibly even the first few months that you are in such a fog that your brain is protecting you on the level that that to even consider introducing some of these things isn't going to come into play. You have to be able to start to function again and not just be in that state of survival where, at least for me, I actually felt like I might not survive it in the beginning. And think about it. My brain wasn't even allowing the magnitude of what had happened completely in. In those beginning days, you just need to take care of yourself. You need to find other people that can help take care of you. You need to be willing to lean on them. You need to be willing to find some place, if at all possible, to have a community or a person that understands your loss. And I know that I've said that for sure about the early days that the only thing I wish I had had sooner was somebody that could look me in the eyes that understood where I was at. And now in today's world, we have the beauty of online communities that are so easy to find in the middle of the night if we need them, um, in the middle of the day, at any time we need them, there's a place to find somebody that understands what we're going through. And so in the beginning, just take care of yourself, allow yourself a lot of time to do whatever you need to do to get through this. And then when you're ready, start to heal your trauma, start to acknowledge that it's there and decide how you want to go about healing your brain so that you can also heal your heart. And I know this is lonely, but you are not alone. We are stronger together, grievers. Until next time, talk soon. Grievers, it is my hope that from today, you will take that which serves you and simply leave the rest. If you connect with what you have heard, please subscribe to get notified of my new episodes every week, and please feel free to share it with others in the suicide loss community. If you are so led, I would also be honored if you would leave a review so that others might find us more easily. You can find me and all ways to connect with me at my Instagram, The Leftover Pieces. I want you to know that I know how very, very hard life is now. It's true that we will never be the same, but we are going to be okay. We will figure this out somehow, together, and we will keep our loved ones with us 
because there is no getting over or past grief, only learning to live more gracefully alongside it. Only through talk can we keep their memories alive, learn to live again, and bring some awareness so that less will suffer. Join me again next week, and we will keep the talk going. We will sign off today, as always, with the wise words of my Alex's favorite, Peter Pan. Never say goodbye, because goodbye means going away, and going away means forgetting. Grievers, no one here is forgetting. Talk soon.